Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on April 17th, 2023. This past weekend, I got to witness some folks from my dojo participate in a fight event at the Stampede Center. I've only been training there for a few months now, but I tell you what, it was fun to get wild and rowdy while supporting the folks I've been training with since then. It was only when I hopped into bed for the night did I f realize how tired I was from the raw adrenaline that had been intoxicating my bloodstream. You can't help but imagine yourself in that situation, and who knows? Your favorite oil and gas podcaster may just find himself in the ring in the near future, though I'll probably have to drop another 10 pounds before then. But you didn't come here to listen to the fantasies of a potentially amateur fighter. I'd wager you intended to hear about the most revealing statistics and biggest stories within the world of oil and gas. Let's dive in. First, of course, we take a peek at commodity prices. WTI has been attracting lots of attention lately as it teases higher prices, especially last week. It opened at $80 last Monday, which was already a strong start. From there, it climbed to 81 by Wednesday, only to rise again to 83 by Thursday. An absolutely unpredictable and bonkers climb. This morning, it opened around $82, but has since taken a quick dip down to 80 68 I'm not exactly sure what will happen this week, but I would put money on volatility. We've got lots of headlines ranging from new relationships in the Middle East and Asia, restructuring of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, and so many other things that make me feel like I'd better buckle up for this roller coaster ride. The spread between WTI and Brent has held relatively steady through this month of rapid change and seems to be around $4 as Brent mirrors WTI action. Natural gas futures show potential signs of resurrection, although those were short-lived as it touched 2.30 this morning and immediately U-turned to 2.26. Still, last Friday it was as low as $2 but could not be pulled under. I predict things will be probably quiet for natural gas in the near future. Next, of course, is the rig count. According to the most recent report, we lost three rigs last week, dropping the U.S. to a total of 748, which is still 55 more rigs than we had this time last year. Things have certainly plateaued. A few months ago, I predicted the count would live between 740 and 760, and that has since remained true. I don't know why this is the current healthy level of rigs, as I see no reason for them not to be closer to 900, but as you know, commodity prices don't make sense at this point either. As far as basin-by-basin basin statistics go, we have three more rigs in the Permian. One more rig in the Ardmer Woodford, Barnet, and Marcellus each. On the negative side, that leaves one fewer rigs in the Utica, and two less in the Canna Woodford, Eagleford, Granite Wash, and Haynesville. To balance things out, we did see two more rigs go up in the Gulf of Mexico, bringing its total to 18. So overall, this is not the best report. A very busy one, but again, net negative of three week over week. Our last statistic before the stories is Nick Fernhout's Thirsty Thursday, published weekly on www.rarepetro.com. If you missed it, I'll go ahead and quote Mr. T and say that I pity the fool, but I will do my best to relay all of his excellent figures and graphs over the sound waves of internet radio. The EIA had forecasted a draw of a mere 583,000 barrels of crude this week, while the reported number is close in absolute value. It does go the other direction. This week, the EIA saw a build of nearly 600,000 barrels of crude. It isn't too often that the API forecasts a number more conservative than the actual reported for the week, but here we are. The API forecasted a draw of 1.3 million barrels on the nose, however reported an actual build value of 377,000 barrels of crude. 
It seems the swings in stockpiles have cooled off since the highs of January and February. There hasn't been a build or draw of more than 7.5 million barrels since February of 2023. The summer fuel blend has been reintroduced to gas stations across the country now, which is much cheaper than the winter blend. That said, the price of gas has actually increased for a consecutive week, more than likely due to the increase in the price of crude. Demand is also strong lately as beautiful weather plagues the country. Gasoline got about 7 cents more expensive compared to the previous week. California is dangerously close to breaking $5 gasoline, while Mississippi still claims its cheapest gas in the nation. Diesel basically remained the same in price, but technically increased by a tenth of a cent. Otherwise, distillate stocks, an excellent proxy for diesel stocks, are down, but still within their five-year average. Propane and propylene stocks are trending downwards too, however, they are right on track for what is typical for this time of year. And this brings us to the news section of our podcast. Our first story is about the U.S. and its attempts to be proactive in international relations, something we haven't heard about in far too long. The White House coordinator for the Middle East and North Africa was sent to Saudi Arabia along with the U.S. Special Presidential Coordinator for Global Infrastructure and Energy Security. For reference, this is the senior most U.S. delegation to visit Saudi Arabia since the country announced production cuts last fall. The relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia has been understandably tense, as our president has had little positive to say about the Crown Prince MBS. Most notably, President Biden was ultra-critical of the murder of the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi and even withdrew support from the Saudi-led offensive in Yemen. I understand why you may not agree with it, but on an international scale, these are pretty serious actions to take. He was even critical of MBS when he was campaigning, as he would often allude to the human rights violations that plagued the crown prince. He even refused to speak with the prince on one occasion and demanded instead to speak with the king, who is not the de facto ruler. Still, deploying some senior members overseas is likely a good move that will work to hopefully salvage whatever is left of U.S.-Saudi relations, if there is anything left at all. It is reported that the U.S. officials discussed ending the war in Yemen, though China has likely already breached this topic weeks ago. Iran already agreed to stop supplying the Houthis, and the Saudis were already engaged in peace talks prior to any American diplomats setting foot on their soil. But it's the thought that counts, right? Even though Biden has publicly acknowledged the 1.6 million barrel per day production cut with seeming apathy, it seems that under the surface he might be concerned. After all, our people were shaking hands with MBS just one week after Saudi Arabia made that announcement. Hopefully this continues to develop positively, but I have the sneaking suspicion that the U.S. is likely offering too little too late. Our last story is a bit more entertaining. Are you familiar with Shark Tank? If so, you probably are familiar with the quick-witted, money-loaded, red-strap-watch-wearing man known as Mr. Wonderful, or more plainly, Kevin O'Leary. The American businessman just announced intent to build a $14 billion refinery in the United States. But why? He himself was quoted as saying, quote, Unfortunately, no matter how much you think we're getting off hydrocarbons, it's not going to happen for 50 years. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. You're not going to have a wind aircraft take you across the ocean. That's not going to work. End quote. O'Leary is a bit crude, but correct, and even seems well-informed in the regulatory space as he alluded to the lack of built refineries in the U.S. in decades, primarily due to permitting issues. In fact, the last refinery built with significant downstream unit capacity was a marathon facility constructed in Louisiana back in 1977. 
That's not to say we haven't seen expansions to existing facilities, but again, this is by the EIA's data and uh, significant downstream unit capacities. Hasn't happened since late 70s. At this point, he is in the very early stages of seeding capital, and the next largest challenge involves deciding where the project will be homed. He was quick to rule out several states on the East Coast and California, though it seems he now has his sights set on North Dakota. I can't help but agree with Mr. O'Leary here. The U.S. has been losing refining capacity since 2014, yet China and Saudi Arabia continue to expand theirs. Regardless of what degree of energy transition we do experience in the near future, someone will have to profit from refining fuels and petrochemicals that the world will continue to demand for decades to come. I would much rather be an exporter of these petrochemicals than an importer, and all of that starts now. So I'm very excited to see if this project moves anywhere, and also excited to see what state it is homed in. Maybe Rare Petro can even get involved. We'll see. But folks, that is all we have time for today. We will be releasing an episode of The Wacky World of Energy this Tuesday the 18th, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast on the, the day of release, that expands on a lot of these topics. Plus, we've got a new camera and studio set up, so you will want to check that one out on YouTube. Other than that, you can expect continued releases of great content for absolutely no cost at all. Nick B. just released an article looking at some financials for large cap and media cap companies in the United States, and Nick F. continues to release Thirsty Thursday and other great periodical content. I myself will continue to put together Monday Madness and the Wacky World, and who knows, we've always got new ideas for more content coming up, and like I said, absolutely free. Just frack that subscribe button and stay in the loop. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.